0: are pro cannabis media hi everyone welcome again to another edition of in the weeds with jimmy young our regularly scheduled podcast that we produce here at pro cannabis media and a reminder to please like share and subscribe not just to in the weeds with me Okay, you can subscribe and like all the shows the pro cannabis media people put together every week. And if you do subscribe, you know how many original programs we produce and share with you, the public, because we know you are the Canna Curious. Joining me in the in the weed studio room today, if you will, is John Napoli. He is the operator of the Boston Gardener in Boston, Massachusetts. But there's so much more to this guy's resume and history john uh, thank you so much for joining us today thanks jimmy so tell me about the boston gardener first okay because now i visited the store Mm -hmm. and i see where it's located and you've been around you've been doing this for quite a while right you've had the how long have you had boston gardener open for
1: I started the Boston Gardener back in 2009, right there in what was then Dudley Square in Boston, Roxbury neighborhood, now known as Nubian Square. We haven't moved, though. It's the same location. Um, That was started after the decrim happened because there were no hydro stores. I was a grower, and I was driving miles and miles away to get my grow supplies. And, you know, it was always a little sketchy at these grow shops back in the day. You couldn't talk about cannabis. You didn't want to use your credit card. They might track you Uh, even like parking in the parking lot was sketchy. They might look at your license plate. So, uh, you know, I wanted to end that. So I started uh, the Boston Gardener as a grow shop specifically tailored towards cannabis growers, indoor growers, urban growers um, which was you know the uh, kind of a novel concept at the time. No, nobody was doing that. Uh, if you were a hydroponic store, you were getting your supplies from the big you know the big hydro companies and they didn't let you do that. If you if you said, hey yeah, we're going to teach people how to grow cannabis or talk about cannabis, use your equipment to grow cannabis, no, we're not going to be selling you anything anymore. you're cut off. Yeah. So that was kind of the kind of the landscape that I had to navigate then, um, which was fine, because by 2012, once the medical laws start passing and once it got legalized in Colorado and Oregon, then the hydro companies, they all kind of switched gears at that point and decided they were going to probably start servicing this industry. They, You know, the money was there, obviously. I I was
0: good. Funny how. Money changes. You're looking at the business, right? And acceptance yeah. of different things, right? Yeah,
1: a little bit. Uh, yeah.
0: And I and I know how long have you been growing? And and again, let's, let's cut to the cheese. How long have you been growing cannabis, Jimmy? Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So I started growing because I found seeds in my bag of weed um, back when you bought weed with seeds in it. Okay? Oh, so I wouldn't
0: know. Anything, back, I, I wouldn't know anything about yeah. that. And and yeah, a record you cover know to clean it, right? That. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So, so this was, this is the early nineties. It was really right about then when like all the indoor growing started taking off and the new, um, you know, basically we were domesticating the industry at that point. I, I had seeds in my weed because it was coming from Mexico. So, you know, I, everyone always hated the seeds and threw them away. I started growing them. I come from a farming background. My family, you know, come from a bunch of farmers on my father's side and my mother's side is a bunch of pharmacists. So. I started growing, you know, I was 19 years old and I, you know, and I never looked back after that.
0: That's great. And of course, uh, the other thing that really impressed me when I looked at your bio was the fact that you were, you and your wife, Kim, were very involved with the ballot initiative in 2016 that led to the adult use market here in Massachusetts.
1: Uh, Who do you think brought MPP to Massachusetts? You did. Yeah, there you go. We used to have the fundraisers up at my place in Boston, and then they, you know, they met Kim, my wife, and they're like, "Oh, you should work for the campaign."
0: I certainly know that deal too. You know, I totally get it. There's always a, a smart, beautiful woman uh, behind or in front of the man. Okay, <laughs> yeah. depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, what was the biggest challenge on the? lobbying side, getting those ballot questions, the, the signatures that you needed, and how important was making sure that you could actually grow at home as part of this bill? Because some states like New Jersey did not have that the first time around.
1: Well, OK, so I'll t- so the groundwork was, you know, it took a long time to lay that groundwork. And, and people like John Leonard and MassCan and other people over there definitely collected signatures uh, for just like public policy questions in different towns or counties, right? And that, after we got public policy questions on the ballot and you know, 04 or whatever, then we had positive results that we could show to a national group like MPP. And I could say, hey, what are you doing out in Nevada? Come to Massachusetts, we can get it done here. So we had the numbers to show them. And then, yeah, they had to go out and collect signatures. My wife was part of that, but that was no problem collecting the signatures. It was really just, you know, I mean, we only won that about 52 or 53%. So it was just a matter of getting people out. And it was a presidential year, it was a big year. A lot of people were turning out, even though it was kind of a weird, you know, 2016, a lot of people didn't like either candidate. So, you know, that was a little bit of a challenge getting people to come out um, and just, you know, getting people on our side. There was a lot of people just kind of on the fence about it. And, and we, there was a little battle between like whether we should have the national group or have the local group try to do this. And and for me, it was the most important thing to do was to win, because if we lost in 2016, that, according to the law, wouldn't have been back on the ballot until 2024. Massachusetts would have just lost this whole opportunity that we have now. Right. So, you know, a lot of the purists wanted to go with the the local group because the laws were going to be a lot more consumer-friendly and less regulations, which I'm totally down with, but probably that group didn't have the wherewithal that MPP did to get this whole thing passed.
0: Yeah. And and I'll tell you, I mean, you definitely live with the stigma just like we do. Whenever you go somewhere and you start talking about it, you can, you can sense that people are not educated about how far the uh, research and science has come that really... Debunks a lot of the myths that have been around for for decades in the United States. But it, I really do believe, and I'll give Steve D'Angelo credit on this. His book, The Cannabis Manifesto, when I read it, and he explained his um, feelings about the plant and how it really was had medicinal qualities. And the adult use world is using it in a different way than the medical community is using it, and yet. It still has medicinal qualities. And I guess the question I have for you, and it's more uh, uh, an anecdote. One of my dear friends, okay, is a regular. He has a medical card and he voted against adult use because we're already in the club, he said. Why do I need anybody else more in the club? And I argued (laughs) with him just for the record, okay? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know the type, yeah. Right, And, and I get it and I still use it medicinally. I do it to help me sleep, recover from any kind of a workout. And you even heard David Ortiz talk about how as you get older and you're still a professional athlete, you don't want to be on opioids. You're looking for alternatives. And that Mm -hmm. was always a friendly alternative uh, for him. Um, How do you view uh, the plant as as a medicine or something that can be used for fun?
1: First of all, it's, it's, it's the, I mean, and I'm going to quote a DEA judge here back in 1988, but cannabis is the most, is the safest, most therapeutically active substance on earth. It is safer than most of the food we eat. So first of all, you want your medicine to be safe and natural and in your body to interact with it. Just easily, correctly. A lot of these opiates are synthetic drugs. Your body doesn't know what to do with them really. And that's why you end up bloated or they end up not working. Natural medicine that your body has evolved with. I mean, humans have been using this plant for a long time. We have an endocannabinoid system in our bodies. And I was actually talking to a doctor the other day who who, said, who couldn't believe that she didn't know that we had an endocannabinoid system. How does she not know that? She's a doctor, right? Because they don't teach you in medical school, but you know, it's a really important medicine and it works it, unbelievably. I I use it myself. It should be a, it should be the first thing that people use, not the last thing I've had a lot of people come up to me with um, you know, just before it was even medically legal. And I owned the hempist um, that, you know, the hempist was the only place you could go to talk about cannabis or access cannabis in any way for a long time in Massachusetts. So I'd have people come in like maybe parents with a, a, a brain, a daughter had a brain tumor. I remember or even older people, and they talk about how they took everything else. And I'd say, really, you should just start here. This, this is where this is, this is a great medicine. And there's a lot of resist. There was a lot of resistance. Um, we when we opened up the, the dispensary down in Brockton in Good Health was the second dispensary open in mass. And it was all medical, obviously, back in the day. And we'd have people come in and say, thank God you're here. I used to be on 20 pills a day. And, you know, people, they were broken people. They were really sick in the medical days. Like I didn't, I was actually caught off guard a little bit because, you know, I was always in the industry kind of, but not dealing with patients all the time. And so I really got a firsthand look at, you know, people who are really suffering and really benefiting usually from pain management, but also, you know, just appetite for people who are on chemo. My own daughter at seven months was diagnosed with leukemia. I had her on CBD all through, you know, she went through five rounds of chemotherapy, kept her appetite up, helped with the chemo. And in my opinion, you know, there's studies that show that it helps with the chemo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she pulled through it, you know, she's happy, healthy, two and a half year old. And, and really like, I thank CBD, but was there, were people questioning me? Like, Hey, you shouldn't be giving her that, you know, like that, that, yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of resistance still amongst doctors and nurses in the medical community even right. though we passed this law 10 years ago. Right. They want more research. And by the way, so do I. Okay. I want more research. I want. Yeah, But, uh-huh. but our government has spent more money trying to find something wrong with cannabis than all other vegetable matter on earth combined. So we- I think it's 30,000 studies of cannabis by the substance abuse
0: community looking for reasons to uh, veto it, you know, ban it vilify it, whatever they wanted to do, and they really couldn't find anything.
1: Yeah, they're and, doing the wrong kind of research. Yeah, they should but, have been looking for good things, what what it can do for us.
0: And isn't that a different mindset when you go about looking at, uh, you know, data and analyzing that and and everything? Um, you know how how is it now when you are you still getting those cannabis saved my life, cannabis changed my life, and versus. I'm accepting cannabis now
1: more. Have we moved forward? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, no, we we've, we've moved way forward. Um, I mean, I mean, if you're talking about since 2016. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe we had 53% of the country on board at that point. Now 70% of the country, uh, you know, 90% are in favor of medical. People right. are, are becoming more educated. You could see, you know, what's really changed is when we used to, we, in order to get these things cited, you have to go into the town meetings, meet with the selectmen in front of the public, and they put in their comments. And back in the day, yeah, the public would come in and kick your head in, and the selectmen would kind of agree with the public now the the public you know they'll come in the the people who are anti or the the people who are nimby you know i don't want this next to me and they come in uh to the zoning hearing and you know they'll say their thing but now the people up on the 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 select committee or the zoning board they'll come right back and they'll kind of they'll they'll, instead of shooting me down the pro cannabis guy they'll go after the anti-cannabis people and say hey look We haven't had any problems with this so far uh this has only been positive for our community and you know i realize you don't want it here but that's going to happen no matter where we put it so we're going to go for it we're going to we're going to green light this project so we're seeing a lot a lot of changes at the municipal level um a lot more acceptance there and in general yeah but still there's, there's pockets of resistance out there we we find. I know a friend of mine, uh, you know, Kobe with pure Oasis, just got denied by this the city in Brighton. Um, and the mayor's office came out against it because, you know, the neighbors were just you know crazy about it. So yeah. it's still out there. The resistance is still there for sure. yeah. and and Kobe Evans is such a great example of yeah, right? Yeah. And these people, they're not going to come out to oppose a Starbucks or Dunkin Donuts or McDonald's or anything that that generates as much traffic and people and cars. It's just it's extremely hypocritical and, you know, an emotional response or just, you know, people have been taught to believe this is bad. And like you said, it's about changing the mindset. Look at it as something that's positive.
0: Right. And, and, and again, it goes back to one of the reasons why I started Pro Cannabis Media in the first place because that the industry is banned from doing public service announcements on television and radio stations, I said, let's give them an opportunity to talk about it on our own station, our own network. And I really do believe in that. And I really do believe that we've I don't know if we played any kind of a role in moving the needle, but I will say this. Most of the people in the industry have supported everything that we've done here uh, since I started my In the Weeds podcast back in 2018. Hey, what, uh, Quincy, are you opening a dispensary in Quincy?
1: We are. Yes, we're going to in two months. Look for the Quincy Cannabis Company to be open right on Route 3A, right on right across uh, from the bridge coming over from Weymouth. You're going to see a big sign on a small store. That says Quincy Cannabis Company, and uh, it'll be the first adult use store in Quincy. Yeah, and, then, and there's a huge difference in the uh, regulations,
0: compliance, and also pricing and taxing. And what are the other differences I'm missing here? Um, <laughs> the amount you can have, all that stuff between the adult use and the medicinal. But from a business perspective,
1: the adult use is where you want to be. Correct. Well, you have a lot more. You have a bigger customer base. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh, but a lot of people co-locate. You have a medical and an adult use in the same store, and I think that's that's ideal. Netta does
0: that. I know that. Yep. And um, yeah, we all did
1: it back in the day. Right. (laughs)
0: Back in the day, John, was a completely different story for sure. Completely
1: different story, yeah. Now, all the medical places are the ones that converted first.
0: We've talked about this next subject, and it's going to be another plant medicine. And it's something that I've kind of resisted, but it goes back to what we've been talking about here, about about the stigma. Everybody knows that one of the uh, biggest barriers for people's brains to understand what cannabis is all about is they're afraid that, oh, if I start using cannabis i'm gonna to go to i'm gonna to go to heroin i'm gonna to go to cocaine i'm gonna to go to lsd and then there was that other one the mushroom okay the psilocybin that many of the people that i knew back in the 70s really enjoyed okay i don't know if they're still enjoying it but i'm gonna guess yeah. they are um is are we uh, as cannabis people um, is it time to embrace even
1: another plant medicine, even before cannabis has been accepted totally? I mean, it yes, I, I mean definitely for me, and it is happening. You know, I just got an email from MJ BizCon. They're going to have a psychedelic section at MJ BizCon this year. Uh, Oregon decriminalized for you know mental health medical purposes. So, uh, <clears throat> Northampton, Cambridge, Somerville all decriminalized. So you know it's happening um there's no reason why the cannabis community should not embrace this i mean when i eat mushrooms you know i want to have you know three four bombers twisted up but before my trip starts so you know i'm ready to consume some cannabis you know for sure so there's no reason why cannabis people shouldn't support this and you know the mushroom is not something like you know cannabis that people are going to use every day unless you're microdosing but to go on a full trip like that's something that's that's something that people do occasionally you know um right. get a little reset uh right. you know it's, it's 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 very it's much more powerful than cannabis right it's uh, cleansing it,
0: a lot of people d- describe it as a cleansing experience a- is that inaccurate i
1: i would say so yeah no i mean you can you can look at you you'll get a whole new perspective you know it, mushrooms can give you a whole new perspective on things yeah, yeah. You're, you've it can be a life changing experience, really. And someone. again, research on plant
0: medicine, the fact that they have to still fight for that. And 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 of course, you know, if it's federally approved, it used to be only the University of Mississippi. And we know how crappy that weed was. Uh, now, at least they're starting to research the the plants that people like your company grows or you help others grow uh the the stuff that's actually going to be on the shelves which makes a lot of sense to me as a consumer when i go into a store i want it to be tested i want it to be consistent and i want to know what i'm getting and what i'm what effect
1: it might have on me um with right. with
0: uh psilocybin the cannabis,
1: the cannabis stores are natural places right so in canada that they have psilocybin mushrooms At the dispensaries, if you go to Amsterdam at the coffee shops, they used to, I don't think they do anymore, but they used to to be able to get mushrooms at the coffee shops in Amsterdam. Um, So I I think it is like you're saying it's a good place to get something that you know is what it is you're supposed to be getting you know it's free of pathogens and will do or you know pesticides or whatever. Yeah, get it from a legal store and, and what we're going to do you know at the Boston gardener is we're going to start mushroom grow classes. Where we're going to actually just teach people how to cultivate their own mushrooms of all kinds, including psilocybin mushrooms, right at home because it's it's very easy to do. and you know you can grow unbelievably delicious gourmet mushrooms at home or, you know, great, powerful psilocybin mushrooms at home, okay. there you go. I was waiting for that balance. I, I get that. Uh, <laughs> and it makes sense. Um, what's harder to grow? The, well, <clears throat> so, you could just put a seed in the ground outside uh, for cannabis and just watch it grow, you know, outdoor, outdoor, it's really easy to grow, right? Sun and water, Uh, maybe a little bit of nutrients indoors. It gets more complicated. Sure. You know, if you're doing a hydroponic grow, that's, that's complicated. Um, The mushroom growing is you can do it a lot faster. You don't need this huge grow room. You don't need to buy a lot of, you know, heavy duty equipment, big grow lights or anything like that. But it is more complicated. Uh, and it is very important that you keep everything sterile. Um, so I think that the classes that we offer for the, no, we, we did the cannabis growing classes. Mm-hmm. They, that was easier to get people to learn how to grow cannabis. Uh, mm-hmm. Mushrooms, you could do a basic level class. We'll do it in like two hours. But to become an expert at growing mushrooms, that's like something you want to go to school for.
0: Yeah. And we're where, exactly what school would that be? I
1: don't <laughs> know. I, <laughs> the school of mycology.
0: That's what I was going to say, because I know that more and more universities and colleges are embracing the cannabis industry. They've built out some curriculum. They have the business of they have the science of um, it, it. It's a f- fascinating th- I think it's pretty interesting, by the way, that at the college level, they're teaching 18, 19 and 20 year olds about a product that they're not supposed to touch until they're 21.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I,
0: I don't know about you, but nobody in college uses yeah. weed, right? <laughs> I,
1: nobody. I wish they had that class when I was in college. That's for sure. I, I, absolutely.
0: Um, I, I want to talk a little bit now about um, how tough it is. is. You, you actually have four businesses, okay, that are, that are, mostly plant touching or plant touching, whether it's cannabis plants or mushroom plants or not plastic plants, but plant touching. Um, how challenging has it been for you to find banking in this in, in, in this world?
1: Um, well, I, I so back, uh, it was very challenging. Um, yeah. You know, back in, you know, after the medical laws were passed, there was only a couple of banks, you know, like Century Bank, and they were charging five, $6,000 a month or something um we we found a little credit union in rhode island first that would do it and then we wait, found another wait wait, credit... wait wait wait! that's not greenwood is it you know what i don't have the name because that was that was the in good health guys that, okay because that that's where were, that's where we yeah. are that's where it we're might ready. be it might yeah. be they were huh. running down to rhode island with all the cash um <laughs> when i opened the hempest in uh when i converted so we had a the hempest in Northampton since 2001 mm-hmm. and we converted that to a dispensary and I had to switch banks at that point. Uh, we found a credit union, Alden credit union out there to do it. And they were, they were reasonable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for the, obviously for the Boston gardener, that's totally legit. Like there's no federal issues there. Same with my uh, can assist consulting company. No problem there. Uh, but like with Quincy right now, I'm, I'm bank shopping. Um, we're seeing who can provide us with the best service at the best rate. Uh, luckily you can do the shopping now, but you're limited in your choices and, you know, they're a little expensive still. So we really want that safe banking act to pass. Um, and it's passed seven times in the house. It's passed
0: seven times in the house. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I know, I know. And and we know about... That will fix the 280E situation as well. And, you know, you probably saw that uh, Massachusetts decoupled from the 280E uh, on Friday night. They passed that big bill. Yeah. So um, that was encouraging. And, of course, when you're
0: in a state like uh, Massachusetts, a rather progressive state, or at least they like to think they're progressive, mm. uh, it, it certainly progressive makes sense.
1: Massachusetts is where we are.
0: Well, look, it all started here in Boston, with a party, right? Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, I know I was a history major. I remember reading about the Boston Tea Party, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going out of a limb thinking there was some cannabis being consumed at that time,
1: right? Well, all the all the sails and everything on those boats were made out of cannabis. They're all made out of hemp. All the um, you know all the all the sails on Christopher Columbus's ships were made out. of We would have never got here if it wasn't for hemp. Right uh, back then, you Massachusetts had a law where you could pay your taxes with hemp. Uh, it was considered legal tender. And if you were a landowner, you had to grow cannabis. Isn't that interesting? And,
0: yeah. and, now, and now there's some even more controversies about hemp because uh, in 2018, with the Farm Bill passing, everybody thought, oh, it's legal now to grow hemp but it didn't actually work out that way. And they started extracting CBD and putting it into everything. And now you've got a controversy between Delta 8 and Delta 9. And can you walk me through, can you tell me the difference between the two?
1: Uh, Delta 8 is less, um, is not going to get you as far as Delta 9, (laughs) put it that way. Uh, So, but but it gets you, hang on a second, but Delta 8 gets you high. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not that high not um, that high okay yeah and yeah i, I mean if you're in an illegal there's no reason why you would use delta eight over delta nine put it that way if you right. have access so the only reason you use delta eight is because delta nine is legal is illegal in your state um the, the next temp farm bill they'll probably correct that i'm guessing so you know i wouldn't invest in any of these delta eight companies if i were you but um it's yeah it's a little bit I mean, so it's great. CBD is amazing and all the minor cannabinoids amazing and everything, but you know, what's also amazing. Hemp seed is incredible food. Like it's, it's the, it's the most nutritionally complete food source on earth. Pretty much. It's got all the amino acids, essential fatty acids, uh, protein that, that is needed to sustain human life. And, you know, I'm wearing a hemp hat. Like there's a lot of uses for hemp that we haven't quite. You know, luckily, now I'm starting to see hemp packaging, you know, out in the cannabis world. So that's great. Replacing uh, plastic, replacing paper. So those are the kind of uses that I think we really need to start moving towards with hemp. And, and it's just amazing to
0: me that it's, it was banned because of the, 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 the powers that be in the 1920s and 30s really were trying to keep the status quo. And by that, I mean systemized racism, OK, maintaining the Jim Crow South and and getting rid of the the those um the immigrants from mexico that that had that evil weed that marijuana yeah. uh that that brought in here and and that's how it all became uh, vilified if you will but it was all done through misinformation imagine it, imagine journalism right imagine though if it was still legal through that time through the t- 30s 40s 50s 60s and it's 70s We'd be in a completely different world right now. And according to many doctors who do understand the endocannabinoid system, I get them on record. Dr. Ryan Zachlin's one of them saying it, it it absolutely would have changed medicine as we know it. It would have it would have uh, brought the uh, the incidence of cancer down, um, uh, seizures and epilepsy. All the all those uh, medicinal qualities could have been studied for seventy and eighty years instead of vilified mm-hmm. um and that's why I'm, i think the first blog i ever wrote was 1937 the wrong drug the <laughs> the wrong drug got prohibited because i was obviously talking about alcohol at that time
1: yeah um, they so so in 1932, they they are before that they they prohibited alcohol and what they what they did there to do it right you have to pass a amendment to the constitution because uh prohibition is not legal under your constitution so What we did was had that Marijuana Tax Act and made it a tax thing, but, but prohibition, it was never a legal law. You know what I mean? It was an illegal law from the beginning because you're not prohibition is not part of what is allowed under the US Constitution. Now obviously we have a corrupt government now we had a corrupt government then and you can dupont can go in there and buy senators and and can turn things around for their advantage and they patented the wood pulp paper making process which is a extremely chemically intensive process and responsible for a ton of pollution and our deforestation and they patented nylon the same year 1937 when hemp was being made illegal now the reason they made hemp illegal then uh you know not to mention they were coming out with these products but what was also being invented was the hemp gin you know we already had a cotton gin but the hemp decorticator hadn't been invented yet so in 1938 you saw this article in popular mechanics the new billion dollar crop right well that was never allowed to happen cuz right. you know that once they knew that technology was coming they just they Called it marijuana, which isn't in a word—not a word. It's a Mexican colloquialism. People didn't know it was cannabis or hemp being made illegal, and they they shut the whole thing down.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And and again, once you look into the history and you really understand how this country um, was, how it evolved, just follow the the magic dollar. I mean, that dollar Mm -hmm. can corrupt everybody, right? So it is what it is. Um, The future of this industry, is it on the cannabis medicinal side or on the hemp with all its multitude
1: of uses side? Oh, it's both. It's both. But both really need to be developed. The adult use, like recreational side, has been quite developed. You know, it's it's great. But like I said, like you, you walk into a hospital, good luck finding a pamphlet telling you about cannabis medicine as being an option for you or a doctor even recommending it besides the, you know, the few cannabis doctors out there. Uh, Medicine, pharmaceutical companies really, you know, you've seen like GW pharmaceuticals or a couple of them get into it. But, you know, I think ultimately they would rather have something they could could patent and make a a lot more money off something synthetic than you can a natural medicine. So, yeah, there's a huge amount of room for growth in the medical field. And as well as the hemp agricultural, I mean, where, where's all the hemp paper, where, where's right. the hemp fuel, where, you know, hemp plastics? Would you,
0: would you like to see the industry taking more of a ecological focus, uh, more solar energy, more alternative energy to grow these crops? Because I know the stat. 10% of the electric grid comes from indoor growth facilities in Massachusetts. That's that's kind of staggering when you think about it.
1: Yeah, um, crazy. I mean, it's all going to go outdoors eventually. And then greenhouses, um, It's the cost is just going to start come being driven down and down. And people are going to be forced to kind of move out of these indoor facilities that aren't very efficient. And just Using the sunlight, of course, there'll be year round growers everywhere. Luckily, the LEDs are getting a lot more efficient. Massachusetts has that energy compliance rule. Uh So you can't just do whatever you want uh, with energy. Uh, But yeah, we should solar should be part of everything. Yeah, we, we should turn this world into a solar and wind powered world. Right. Well, we're moving towards
0: electric cars, which is amazing to me. Hey, you have a grow facility, a brand new grow facility in Leicester, Massachusetts. Uh, I know you're it's kind of like a pride and joy thing for you, isn't it? This is quite a facility you've built.
1: Vanguard and Cannabis Company. Yes, we we finished building a, um, a 70,000 square feet of canopy. So it's it's a beast. It's a big one. And yeah, it almost almost killed us, but we did it. And it's it's up and running. We started growing. We expect our first harvests uh, to come down later this summer and to be in stores this fall.
0: Yeah. That's, and what makes that that grow facility so special? I, I I know a few of the answers, but I want you to share with us what makes that grow facilities uh, so special.
1: Well, you know, we built out a few before. Like I said, you know, we, we I was a consultant and we built out um, a few of these and you just learn along the way and you just get better and the technology gets better, too. So obviously, instead of high intensity discharge lamps like the HPS or metal halides, you know, we built it out with, uh, with the high efficient LEDs. Um, We are recapturing all the water for, from the condensate. So we recirculate that water. We don't lose very much of it at all. Uh, We have dedicated uh, energy recovery units for each uh, grow room. So each grow room is on its own HVAC and we're able to, and we have a heat exchange in that. So it pulls out the hot air, it hits a 46 degree coil, and then uh, dry cool air, 60 degree air is going back into that room. So it's a really efficient system rather than a normal HVAC setup where, you know, you're just using the ACs and, and, and whatnot. We have, we have something that we've done that's very efficient. Uh, we're growing on multiple tiers, so we're, we have three tiers of growth. So we're using all that vertical space as well. It's a highly automated facility. You know, you come in there, and we have we have robots moving stuff around the hallways. We have all the automated packaging equipment, automated trimming equipment. We've built out state of the art curing and drying rooms uh, that really Massachusetts like, anywhere they just have not been drying and curing this, this product correctly and. People get disappointed when they go into a store and they buy a bag and it's all dried out. It's dust inside, doesn't smell right. We've built out, you know, rooms for, you know, we used, we used uh, an ind- a company from the uh, meat and cheese industry that's used to curing all these products. And we had them build out our curing rooms just so we can we could dial in our uh, humidity, our temperature, our dew point and set it exactly where we want it. it is no, there's no up and down of humidity uh, causing problems. So, you know, we've gone, we've gone beyond, we we spent too much money, but we, we created something that's really unique and, uh, it's going to perform.
0: Great. And it's a lot more complicated than just taking a seed from your bag and putting it in the ground now. Okay. Let's face it. Right. Slightly. slightly Hey, yeah. <laughs> hey uh, John Napoli, how do people find out about, uh, you can give another plug to the Boston Gardener or, or, or hempist, uh, how do yeah, people find yeah, you so, your, your, in mean, your
1: consulting? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Hempus is the first thing I did. I started that when I was 23, 1995. You go to hempis.com, you find the biggest selection of hemp gear in the world. Uh, we're on Newberry Street. And we also have the Northampton location is at hempisdispensary.com. And that's now a dispensary in Northampton. Uh, Boston-gardener.com is uh, the Boston Gardener. Canassistma.com is Canassist if you need any consulting services in the consul- in the cannabis industry and uh dot is how you can find out about us and the grow facility.
0: Four four businesses four.
1: We got four. But I can't handle related. one. Okay, then we got well, we, then we got the Quincy Cannabis Company coming up. Coming That's up. oh four, my Quincycannabisco. God. Uh, dot quincycannabisco.com You can find out about updates. We're under construction now. So, we'll give us a couple months. We'll be open for you there, too, all right. and we'll
0: be we'll be over there uh, covering that opening too. John Napoli from all those places. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on in the weeds this this afternoon this evening. Whatever I got time shirt is. On. Hey, check it out. That's yeah. a good t-shirt. And yeah. the best part is the back because that's my closing line. And I can read it. It says it's a whole new world of weed out there. And then I say, use it responsibly, and I sign off. So I'm going to do it right now for John Napoli, our director, Dan French. I'm Jimmy Young. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Hey. You want to grow your own plants? Check out Style Lighting's Grow Kit. It is everything you need to become an expert home grower and bring the power of the sun indoors. Style Lighting uses TCP's high-powered commercial LEDs that deliver twice the output in the market. The Grow Kit has a grow bag, a timer, chains to hang the light, and of course the best in the business lighting system by TCP. Check out stylelighting.shop for more information. comes first.